we, we are back in it now. Welcome to the postcast episode five. Eventually, we'll do enough of these where it's not a novelty, where I keep commenting on how we keep doing this. Uh, I am your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have an amazing show for you today. We have a three-parter per usual. We're going to be breaking down everything, eh, most things that happened in that FC Cincinnati Inter Miami match. Uh, part two, we've got Zach Blanford. He's the secretary of AO Cincy. Uh, he's Telling us all about the American Outlaws, uh, the behind the scenes, what it's like working with the local SGs and the national organization, and uh, exactly how much money U.S. soccer pays them directly to send those funny tweets. Uh, and then part three, we got a nice big grab bag of topics and exciting news for the podcast. I, I cannot say the usual cast of characters because this cast of characters is very unusual. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with Grayson Chalmers. Grayson, me and you, baby, we've done all five. <laughs> yep, it's all Brenner love all night today. <laughs> we, uh, I don't I don't believe cancel culture exists, but we canceled the bejesus out of the chief for his Brenner hate. And then making his proper pod debut... Das Harks himself joins us. Das. Wagwan, my brethren. <laughs> das Harks, I'm assuming you watched the Miami game. You weren't you weren't lost in the studio uh, rapping over some sick beat you made on your phone. Um, what was your quick take, hot take from that Miami match? Now from uh, Mount Bailey behind a draw studio. Um on the uh the seventh row of my recording office uh now it looked it looked different the the team has a an energy about them that they didn't have uh the last couple of years uh it seems like guys know their assignments uh it, it's fairly encouraging that it at least for the most part looks like people are in positions that suit them kubo notwithstanding but such is the excellence of kubo that he's taken quite well to a midfield role in a in a in a gigs-esque in the twilight of his career just has the the vision of the game and a turn uh that could that could brighten the spirits of of any of any uh uh brew level hater out there um yeah it was it was it, it felt like i was watching a different team completely Oh no, that was it, it was fantastic. It feels good to go to go streaking, as Jonah said on on KLR. Uh Grayson, what what was your quick take hot take off of that uh that Miami match? Man, loved how it started. Just that first twenty five minutes, I was having a blast. Um after after uh we gave up the penalty and then probably through Lucho getting subbed out. I was as nervous as Johnny Nelson at a pride parade. <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was going to be the same old thing. There were multiple times in that game. I thought they were going to give up the three points and potentially even lose. And I got to say they didn't, and they never really looked like that was something they were concerned about. They didn't seem to play nervous. They kept their foot on the gas. They kept pressing towards the goal and they ended up getting that third goal which is what you want to see against a team like Miami. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I had the exact same feeling of like 
oh right this this is a different team they're they're actually going to be able to hold on to this and you know I, I I listened to everybody say that they felt nervous and I, I totally get that but I don't think in the moment I was nervous I I really felt like this team was going to put their their foot on this throat and uh and and try to erase that Austin gold deficit there uh Das Harks who would you say gets the the lion's share of the credit the gary's share of the credit for this win <laughs> uh the I, I gotta say the gary share this is by no means uh a, an inventive take whatsoever but obviously uh mr nft himself brandon vasquez um i think it's been said elsewhere but the guy is just a problem uh for defenses and I'm going to shit on him and the league in a way that compliments them. So hang on. Um, but the level of soccer in this league is, you know, it's not the Bundesliga. It's not EPL. Um, if you get a body in there and a fucking athlete, he's going to be an issue. And Brandon Vasquez is a body. He's an athlete. Dude looks like Superman with a square jaw and perfectly coiffed hair. Um, he's got a vertical on him. The guy's been in the weight room. Don't know if it's, he's been in there as much as Baji, but we'll see maybe a nice little competition they got going there. Um, but I've always thought park the bus when you are defending, when you're in attack counter quickly, send in the early cross to the big man and have a slightly less big man behind him to pick up the scraps. And whether that's Baji, that's Lucho, that's a late late arriving Kubo, whomever, um, and late arriving wingbacks, you know, I think that's a successful recipe in MLS. Swing crosses in, head balls in, pick up the pieces. Uh, and it seems that we were able to do that um, and and overload it at, at, at the right times and, and really made Brandon Vasquez shine. Oh, absolutely. Grayson... If if you couldn't give the credit to to Vasquez for this game, who who would you be giving it to? So the other the other easy option is Moderita, but since he gave up the penalty, I'm not going to go <laughs> with Moderita. That's a little little penalty, and he also got a very dumb yellow. Um, so but yeah. but so I'm I'm going to go um, kind of a surprise coming from me, but I'm going to go with Yuya Kubo. Um, you know, he wasn't dispossessed. He got the most touches on the team. I'm sure he covered the most ground. Uh, I bet he progressed the ball the most on anybody in the team. I don't have a stat for that, but, um, I do know that he completed something like 90% of his passes, um, including very high percentage of medium and, and long passes. Um, Kubo, he does a nice job switching the field. Uh, which, by the way, I think the whole team is doing a lot better job yes, this year absolutely. switching the field, which is just – it was so frustrating last year to see them never, never do that effectively. Um, and I think, you know, he capped it off by being, you know, fairly instrumental um, in that third goal uh, when he got the ball from Barrial and progressed it up and, and made the pass um, – <clears throat> Passed to Moderita, who, who got, who found Vasquez. Kubo also almost got an assist. Uh, he would have been an assist if the pass was to Brenner. Unfortunately, the pass was to Lucho, and he just wasn't quite tall enough to finish it. Uh, 
I'd say for me, Pat Noonan sticking with what I'm going to call the uh, the five three two of of the midfield three of Kubo and Moreno behind Acosta. Uh, again, we, we've talked about this before. Everything going into this season was the four four two diamond, the four four two diamond, and uh, this formation was out of necessity last week, and it worked. And he stuck with what worked. And if this ends up becoming FCC's identity and is built around it, I'm fine with it. It's super effective. Um, Matarita on the outside is a revelation. Uh, Powell, God love him. He's trying. He tried that that wonder uh, that wonder shot there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's definitely improved from the last time FCC saw uh, fans saw him here. And uh, no, it's been it's been amazing to see this identity sort of sort of by happenstance, sort of by design, come together. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with this. And again, like it's just just something we haven't seen from an FCC manager in a long time. Das Harks, you uh, you feel in this formation, or uh, are, are you looking for something else? Uh, so yes and no. Um, the five three two three five two, however you want to look at it. Um, my worry with it is, you know, Stam had a lot of success with that, and MLS is back. Uh, he tried a four four two. We got fucking whacked, and then he was like, "Okay, park the bus." It, it, probably the only time the man was flexible <laughs> yes. um, in the entirety of his tenure here. Um, he, it's it's interesting. He showed he could coach a game, and then forgot when he got back home. I don't. I'm I'm wondering if if maybe that has something to do with maybe Gerard was wanting him to play a system that he didn't. I I don't know. Regardless. I, I think it's 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 kind of a monkey paw wish where you're like, do we have the center backs to to keep this as a, a, a sustainable formation? I, you know, knock on wood, but I feel like camera's gonna blow a tire anytime. Um he just seems like he's got an injury in him. And, you know, can we continue to keep up this defensive focus, which I think has been the key to running this formation? Like the ball does come down our throats. We we still have a bit of a of, of a of a of a midfield issue in in so far as how hollow it can be sometimes, but we've been very good at forcing the ball back cent- central and having enough bodies with enough assignments to take care of it. My my fear in a formation like that is: Are you going to lose focus, and then you know your wing backs are caught out and you're eating a counter? Does does an individual mistake cause the whole thing to break down? That said, um, I love the idea of a five-man back or midfield with lots of different options for people to interplay. Um, a, a mini, you know, maybe a mini rant that I have chamber here is is you you referenced Powell and everyone's hatred for him last year. Um, you know what we're running right now really support or not last year, but what was it twenty nineteen? Yeah. yeah, the um, <clears throat> the. He's he's well hidden in this formation. The the guy's game is is getting forward. He's got speed. He's got some power. Um, he can make the odd tackle here and there, but he he really is a wing back. Um, less of a less of a traditional right back, if you will. And I think that three center back 
back line um, helps support him. Uh, I I fear if we run a four four two, what it looks like if you know Monterita's on um, or a four four two diamond. If if Monterita's on on international duty, we have Powell at right back. We've got you know Hags and Cameron or or whomever in the back line. That that makes me immediately nervous. Um, so yeah. No, I think it's a fantastic point. And statistically, uh, FCC is still giving up a lot of shots. There's still a lot to be worried about uh, when looking at the the analytics that this defense could be ready to leak more goals. But the fact that it hasn't in the last few games uh, really speaks to, I think, how well Kubo and Moreno have worked together. Moreno has been, in in my my opinion, a, a silent hero on this team. We were crying out for a defensive midfielder, a defensive midfielder, somebody who can break up those attacks before they, they happen. And Kubo's been doing a hell of a job. But remember, if, if you think back to last year, and even this roster, if it's not uh, Moreno – it's Madunyanen, it's Cruz, it's Roboletto. So um, having somebody that is reliable and can be reliably behind Kuba when he is making those forward runs and those passes uh, has been amazing to this team and has allowed, uh, you know, we lost Viasia, a weekend defensive core, uh, manage itself, and we're getting ready to lose Matarita through the international break, um, and that's gonna that's gonna have to keep up. Uh, Grayson, what's what's your thought on the midfield there? I know you're a Kubo lover, but but what else are you seeing there? Um, <clears throat> so I I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of Moreno. I think he gives us something that we haven't had, uh, which is a reliable six. Um. We obviously need more bodies in the midfield. I mean, I was thinking about what formations this team could play. Um, I think the 3-5-2, 5-3-2 they've been playing is probably the formation because that's the players they have right now. And when they switch it up, I don't see how they can switch up to a 4-4-2 um, with, with who they have and with who you like to who Noonan uh, likes to play. I think the other formation is that 4-2-3-1 that um, – that we switched to against Orlando. Um, and it's, you know, as far as the, the defense, I'm not actually super worried about the defense. Um, the caveat is I would like to see Viasia back soon. <laughs> yes. Uh, it'll give me a lot more comfort. I think it gives us a little bit more depth there. Um, I, I know we played, I know we played Ian Murphy on the left against Orlando, but ordinarily, I actually think that, that that's, that, that, left back position is one we have a little bit of depth there because you know moderate is the starter we know gaddis can play there and do a job and blackett has actually played more left back in his career than he has played uh centrally and i would like to see him out there you know maybe this weekend if if viasia can go play a back three of viasia cameron and Hagland, play back blackett at left back he makes some really nice long balls um I'm not sure if I've, I'm not sure if we've seen him try to do a cross, but just based on his <laughs> line breaking passes, I'm assuming that he can play a couple crosses into the box yeah. if he's in, if he's angled the right way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really like having Moreno in there. I was really worried about this weekend 
when I thought he was getting called up by Venezuela, but fortunately that turns out not to be the case. Um, we gotta have, we gotta have reinforcements there. There needs to be at least another midfielder coming in. Hopefully somebody who we would consider an upgrade over Moreno. And that's not, it's not a dig on Moreno, right? I mean, I think he's shown that he can start for you in MLS. He's shown not just with us, but throughout his career that he can start in MLS. But I think this team, if I'm looking at what is a position of need, so it makes sense to bring somebody in to play that position, where you can also look at as an opportunity for an upgrade. Um, I think it's his, I think it's his spot. Yeah. Especially like you talked about, if they want to do different formations, maybe not a pure out and out defensive midfielder, but even just a better midfielder that could go along with Kubo in front of Marino uh, in, in a four four two diamond. You're going to need that upgrade because again, the options are Barrial or Cruz or again, uh, a Roboletto or something like that, which is just not ideal. I just want to say on the on the defensive side, Kevin, you mentioned bringing up giving up a lot of shots. Um, it's early in the season, and I think it kind of shows that one really bad game early can can throw off a lot of stats. Yes. <laughs> so i i i went on, I went on Football Reference last night or FB Ref and looked at our looked at our team stats, and right now the um, opponent XG is really, really bad. It's like fourth worst in MLS. But if you take out the Austin game and you <laughs> just average to. what's left, if you take out the Austin game, average what's left over the next three, over the last three games, our opponent non-penalty XG has been 1.1 per game, which would be 12th best in MLS if they had done that pace over all four games. Oh. So... So there's some, there's some time to see the to see them maybe show that they are better than um, what the stats are currently indicating this early in the season. Well, I feel better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Vasquez, uh, guys, we we I I brought it up. I was not kidding. I was actually hurt to find that people were uh, were thinking I brought this up as a joke. No, U.S. Men's National Team striker depth is as awful as it has ever been. Uh, I think this guy's got a real shot. Uh, Doss Harks, what, what's your what's your Brandon Vasquez to the U.S. Men's National Team vibe? Are you you for this or is this is this just uh, we all just goofing around? Uh, I mean, I, it, it makes sense. He's domestic. He's young. The guy's proven he can score goals. As long as crosses can go into the box, I think he's a problem. Um, I really don't have anything to say beyond that (laughs) other than the selfish take that I think we would miss him. Now there's that small matter of, we have this guy named Brenner on our roster that ought to be getting some minutes at some point. And I think when he came in against Miami, he looked very hungry. Um, I'll leave you guys to discuss his performance and, and the little dust up between him and Acosta. But, um, you know, he was, he was, um, he was shucking and jiving and, and making runs and, and looked like the guy really wanted to score. I feel like he feels like he has something to prove. Um, so from that perspective, I, I suppose I wouldn't mind 
uh, loaning Brandon Vasquez out for the good of the nation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do have my concerns with him not being on our roster. But, yeah, for the for the national team perspective, I, I don't see how it doesn't make sense. The guy's earned it. Grayson, is it realistic? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we know what Greg likes to see uh, from his strikers, and it's not scoring goals, or he would have <laughs> called him uh, P-Fock. <laughs> Uh, you know, the last few windows. Yes. Um, but also of, of the people that, of, of the players that have played at the nine for Greg, Vasquez probably profiles cl- most closely to PFOC, right? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't seem to be Greg's preferred style. I mean, my, my general perspective is that uh, goal scoring as a, as a number nine, it's it's there it's it's um very vibes heavy yeah so if you are scoring goals for your club you will keep scoring goals for for your national team and so i always think that if we have an american who is putting up 20 goals in a league of and i'm assuming let's say at the end of the season brandon has has scored 20 goals okay I always feel like if there's an American that has 20 goals in a league of, of sufficient quality, which I would put MLS in a large group of leagues that that these guys deserve to be on our radar at least, right. um, then he should be in the conversation. And, you know, maybe, maybe you look at it and you say Jesus Ferreira is ahead of him. Maybe Pepe comes on uh, for Augsburg, although not a lot of time between now and – when the team is going to be picked with with uh, Europe being off in the summer. Um, I, I be honest with you, DK has kind of fallen off my radar. Um, Jassy's not even starting. Yeah. Um, I don't think – I don't know if Josie is starting, although I know he did score. Yeah, he's officially the backup, Josie is, in New England. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – if there's one position in the national team that is a position of opportunity um, – it's striker, and if there's one that I think needs to have your club form weighed more heavily than your history with the national team, it's striker. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ifs here, but if Brandon Vasquez gets to the end of MLS season and he has 20, 25 goals, then you know, I, I think he deserves a fair consideration. No, and it's it's a realistic path, and. I mean, keep in mind, Vasquez was a U.S. youth national team player. He's played with Pulisic and all these guys at club. Uh, I believe it was a U-19 World Cup um, where he did well. Like, this isn't like some weird, like, totally out of left field, dare I say, Matt Turner story where he picked up the sport late in life. Like, he comes up through a Liga MX Academy and just like has has some pedigree is on u.s soccer's radar previously um and yeah all these guys who keep getting call-ups to the national team uh are struggling as of late and then will be out of season in a couple of months and then won't be playing again uh until it's probably too late to to make their case meanwhile vasquez could be banging in goals so um 
<laughs> there we go. So I don't know. I think I I think he's got a real shot at it. I think he's got the pedigree. I think U.S. Soccer is more familiar with uh, with Vasquez than people are giving him credit for. Um, Doss Harks, any uh, any parting thoughts to to wrap this uh, this match up for you? Uh, no, I just want more of the same. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we felt like we could believe in the team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we showed a lot of grit. Um, you know, it was kind of a weird match. Like, I hate to be that guy, but again, even in a victory, it seems like we keep getting the bottom of the barrel refs or we get them on their bad nights or I don't know what the hell was going on. Like the, the ref did not have control of that match. And, you know, I'm a knuckleheaded American. I, I like seeing shitty tackles and, and guys, you know, going at each other um, as much as the next guy. <laughs> but uh, at some point you lose control of the game and it just becomes a shit show. Um I feel a little bit of that was was on purpose for Miami. I, I feel like they they could sense the game getting away from them and, and started engaging in some gamesmanship, which I, I also appreciate. But, um, you know, the ref at some point had to use VAR to give the card to the right guy unless I was miss unless I wasn't seeing things properly from the Bailey. I mean, my studio <laughs> and uh, I. Yeah. A generalized rant that I have chambered up that I'm just going to drop now. It's okay to blame the ref. Like, it's okay to do that. You can... We'll go back to the Bengals game. It's okay for you to not have played well enough to win, but also for the ref to have fucked you. And when that penalty came in, when Moderita, from my position in my studio... um, It looked like the ball redirected when Moderita went in to slide... I won't argue that point forever, but it just the the Cincinnati anxiety of, oh, we're about to get jobbed here. Like, that's what's going on. We're riding high. There's going to be some fucked up decision. And ultimately, it didn't make the difference. But my my take is still the same. We had a shit ref. It negatively affected the game. And I'm not really sure what there is to even do about this. But I want to put it out in the air that it is okay to say that the ref fucking sucks because they do often. And if if the ref makes a call against your team and it happens to be a good one, you don't get points for acknowledging that. <laughs> right. You don't get points for being, you know, oh, I'm the objective uh, pundit here, just calling balls and strikes. No, I'm a fan of the team. Right. All the calls yeah. against us suck. <laughs> yeah. That, this is how it yeah. is. I We are the best team. If we don't win, it's because the refs screwed us. Yes. Yeah, that's the other thing. What is what 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 in the hell is this, like – this uh, this Aristotelian fucking virtue behind having some sense of fairness in your sporting game. We are conducting fake war, so the ball goes into the net. That represents them dying and us living forever and being heroes. Why must we be rational? So to your point, Grayson, fuck every other team. Always fuck the ref unless they do something cool for us. And then they're at zero. And... <laughs> Yeah, none of this has to be rational, but also rationality yeah. is a lie anyway. But we'll just talk that's, about that yeah, next time. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah, and when that when that ball um, 
went across the box that Higuain uh, just whiffed on. Yes. Um, that that went out off of Miami. <laughs> but Miami just picked up the ball and, and took the throw in. And I guess the ref was too passive to call it back. He's like, well, they already took the throw in. So I guess I guess it's their ball. I mean, there was no question that went out off Miami. Yeah. And if that would have led to the goal, or if, if that would have led to a goal, and let's say we lost that match, you would have people out there saying, well, look, you don't want to leave it in the ref's hands. Okay, true, but also, please don't be insane, acknowledge that the ref fucked us, and stop being that guy. Oh, well said. Um, believe it or not, that was uh, that was us getting Das Hark's final thought on the match. Grayson, do you have a final thought on the match? <laughs> Are there any more uh, thoughts no. to have? <laughs> no, I think I'm, I'm ready to talk national team. Oh, let's do it. Well, hey, uh, speaking of, <laughs> we've got the best guy to do that, at least locally. Uh, we've got Zach Blanford here, and uh, fantastic conversation with the guy all about American Outlaws and what it's like to help run a local chapter. Um, and uh, we'll pick you up uh, after the interview, but enjoy it. Have fun. Right in part two of the postcast, we are joined by a very special guest. We have Zach Blanford. He is the secretary of AOCNC. He is here to talk about everything American Outlaws ahead of the massive USA Mexico match uh, this Thursday down in Mexico. And uh, Zach, I, I gotta ask you: Are you looking forward to this match, or is this the Shrek musical all over again for you? <laughs> You know, I am looking forward to this match. Uh, playing Mexico is pretty cool. I think it'd be be a cool thing if it happened in our city. Oh, wait. <laughs> that did happen here, didn't it? Oh. We did win. Oh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so what is AO? Tell me about the American Outlaws. I've, I've never heard of them. Enlighten me. Yeah, so the American Outlaws are the... National, one of the national supporters groups for the U.S. national teams. That's the men's, women's, youth teams. Um, they've been doing some cool Deaf Olympic stuff, uh, just all the national soccer stuff going on. Um, so it's a national organization, and they have local chapters. So there's a you know an AO Cleveland, an AO Dayton, an AO Youngstown, an AO Akron, an AO Cincinnati, um, and we are AO Cincy. So we put on watch parties and when the men's and women's teams come to town, we put on matches and do all the things the supporters group does. Although I would say a big difference between us and what you may see in your local SGs um, is that we have a lot more travel if you want to, but also it's a big watch party culture because so many of the games don't happen here, you know, on for FC Cincinnati Half the games happen here, half of them happen away, but that's still, you know, every other week at least you're probably getting a home match, whereas we could go years without getting one. I don't want to be, like, too ahead of myself or full of myself. I don't think it's we're going to go years without getting one. I think we've had some pretty cool match day experiences here, but uh, but you can. And so it's a lot. It's a, it's a different culture within the same kind of soccer nerd culture we're all part of. Do you think we'll have any home games in 
2026. <laughs> Maybe sometime in the summer. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. I'd be pretty into that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> At the very least, I could see Cincinnati being uh, one of the warm-up venues. Even if we don't, mm-hmm. if we miss out on a proper World Cup bid, I, I think we get a warm-up game against Turkey or something like that. So yeah. you've got the American Outlaws regional chapters, city chapters, even. Um, what's the relationship like with the national organization? How how does that play play out? So it's a it's kind of a give and take. I mean, they provide a lot of support and logistics, especially for chapters in smaller cities or chapters that are just getting up and going. It's it's kind of cool to share best practices. Uh, you know, something that I tweet out that gets a lot of engagement. Maybe another chapter hasn't thought about doing that kind of content, and then they do it, and they get lots of engagement and build their base online or a certain kind of merch. All of that stuff. They kind of gather folks together to share those things. Um, they're also the ones that collect dues and send out t-shirts and organize all of the matches. So, you know, AOCNC gets their chunk of tickets if a game comes to town, but the American outlaws are the ones who kind of lead the charge on that, getting them organized, getting the section uh, organized from that logistical standpoint. And then depending on where they go, um, they work with local folks to put on the normal match day stuff. You see the drumming and capoing and, TIFOs and all of those things, um, they come in and uh, help with that stuff to some degree, depending on where they're at, right? Because, like, we come to Cincinnati, we showed up to a women's match on a Tuesday night with, like, 15 drummers and 15 capos, and it's raining, and our team sucks, but we, like, sell out the stadium and are, like, killing it. (laughs) But in other places, they don't have that, and so they also have to come and help uh, amplify some of that in places where they go that don't have that kind of um, culture. They may not have a pro team, you know, and it's so. So, so you mentioned capos and drummers. How does that work with AO? So you've got chapters all over the place. You have a match that's going to happen in a certain locality. Like how does AO organize that? And especially how is that different than maybe a club team would approach it? Yeah, it's different because it's a mix of things, right? It's like they're coming to a city that has local fans and has a local chapter, and those people are going should and are going to be a part of the match. Those capos and drummers who have been going to games for forever, like those folks should be a part of the match. And so they're always a part of their local chapter is getting those people involved and getting them engaged and getting them plugged into match day stuff. But then there's also what I would describe I guess as like a traveling band of people like you know a drummer who dresses up like Ulysses S. Grant and comes to every game (laughs) really nice guy goes to all the games but like that's different than what we do in our in our stadium Uh, that seems like that should be a local guy (laughs) hey I mean there's if you can talk one of the capos into dressing up I think that we could find a way to subsidize that and start sending them around because Grant's house is like just off route 50 Hey, Darren got in a lot of U.S. promotional material after the game. I say we dress Darren up and start sending them to all of the games to represent Cincinnati. I don't want to do that travel, so we're putting that on Darren because I kind of like (laughs) being here and not not going to all the games, but I think we can make it happen. Darren has a magnet uh, somewhere inside of his body, and cameras just lock on to that guy whenever he's he's out there. That is just (laughs) always the case with him. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Importing your talent, so to speak. How did that work specifically with the USA-Mexico here in town? Because I, I think Cincinnati has a solid supporter section and culture. So what's that balance? Or is there a balance? Are local capos even considered? I, maybe they're not. So it definitely is a balance. Uh, and I think that's a thing that's hard when you go into cities um, is that sometimes AO shows up into town and like they're the only people who've drummed at matches before. They're local soccer fans, but they might not have a club and they might not have gone to a bunch of stuff. So they have a drum or they like to lead chance, but they haven't had the opportunity to do that necessarily on the stage. And so in that case, AO comes in and they kind of drive the ship in a lot of ways. Um, the opposite is true of like a, a friendly um, or a match that doesn't have as much attendance in a city that does have a big soccer culture. So that's like our women's game where like we really drove the ship on a lot of that stuff. There were some national folks that came in, but really it was our capos, our drummers, all of those folks kind of, you know, throwing on their AO scarves and coming together to, to put on a match for that game. Um the Mexico one is unique, right? Because it's like the Super Bowl. It's right. like everyone in the world comes out for this game and everyone wants a chunk of it and everyone wants to be a part of it. And so you have the people who traveled everything, but you also have people who kind of just want to come do this one because it's cool and it's the thing. Um, and that, I think, is harder, especially in a place like here where people are, you you may be shocked to hear this, but pretty parochial. What? <laughs> And don't really want to give up any ground. Um, and then national folks are used to coming in and kind of driving the ship. And so it's it's navigating a lot of that relationships. It's like politics in a way. You're like finding ways to get everybody what they want and keep everyone happy and keep everyone working towards the same goal to pull off something that's pretty amazing in the end, which I think we did a pretty good job of. But it's, you know, making sure the local people are involved and they are making decisions and they are in places that they're used to, but also compromising a little bit, you know, like maybe in the center capo stand instead of the two capos that are normally there, we have one AO national person who travels all the games and knows all the AO people and cheers really well partnered with a, uh, with a Cincinnati capo or in the middle of the drum row, you know, you've got uh, Ulysses S drum partnered with some of the folks in our section who really drive the ship there uh, to kind of work together collaboratively on that stuff. Um, and that stuff can be kind of hard. I think we did a good job of it, but a lot of people coming in from all over the place and you get some and some people that are the worst and everybody is kind of there for the same reason, but it's not always easy. <laughs> so Ohio was kind of the center of U.S. soccer world this last qualifying cycle with the U.S.-Mexico game here and uh, two qualifiers up in columbus you mentioned mm -hmm. that there's like ao dayton ao youngstown you know when, when there's a game in columbus or cincinnati do all of the o, ao uh chapters come together and try to all you know get in on that is there cross collaboration or when it's in columbus does ao columbus kind of own that and when it's in cincinnati ao cincy and our local sgs you know kind of own that I would say it's it's more the latter, but it is both, right? Like, because you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, you can't have, like, every AO chapter within an hour having a part in every decision. It's just not the way things are going to work. Like, I love the folks in Dayton. I love the leadership in Columbus. There are people that I like across all of these chapters, but it's just, it's too much to have that many people collaborate on a decision. And that's, like, 
that's stuff like TIFOs and making those decisions and putting that stuff together. That's stuff like uh, where the pregame is going to be and all that logistical stuff. The one place where I do think that there's great collaboration is on some of the traveling support. So like the drummers and capos we talked about. Like we had a, there's a guy from Toledo who travels to almost all the games. He came down here and drummed down here. Um, when there was a game in Columbus in freezing cold weather, uh, three of our drummers went up and helped to supplement what was there um, in lower.com field. Um, but I think we tried to, when the match came here, because it was such a big deal, and also recognizing that Indianapolis is probably never going to get a game even close to this magnitude. Like Lexington is never going to get a game like this. Dayton's never going to get a game like this. Columbus has, but there's nothing like this in a lot of these places. So trying to you know, share information, make sure they feel included and invited to everything, asking them to come out, um, helping them to like amplify where to send their folks, making them feel invited and welcome. That's a lot of the battle because there's just, on stuff like TIFOs or whether we go to the pitch or Northern Row or uh, OTR Stillhouse, any of those places, like those decisions are just harder when you don't know the area and you can't have that many people involved. So it's a lot more on the kind of logistical while the match. Although I will say like people genuinely want to help the, one of the folks in leadership in AO Columbus drove down from Columbus to paint the TIFO one night here in Cincinnati. So he drove like an hour and a half after work to come down here and get some free taglio, which probably made it worth it, and then paint a TIFO for a while. Like, that was awesome, right? Like, we love – that's so cool. Um, but to take it further than that, it's just hard. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Northern Row, the pitch, OTR Stillhouse. Um, how was it – specifically, I'm thinking of USA Mexico. How was it finding a bar to do the night before party? And can you tell us about the night before a big USA match? Yeah, uh, it was wild. It was, it was a big party with a lot of people coming in from out of town. It it was, uh, I mean, it was more than I thought it was. I was pretty tired. So I was like kind of a zombie walking around, like stressed out, even though like it was already happening and there's nothing I can do because I just can't help myself. I just like, was anxiously holding up my cardboard cutout and people were like avoiding talking to me because I looked like I was like losing my mind. Um, but like picking out a venue was pretty easy. I mean, the pitch has been a good partner to us since we kind of resurrected last summer. Um, they host all of our watch parties. They hosted the pregame with the funniest, shortest March ever for the U.S. Women's National Team game. Um <laughs> And they've just, they've just been a good partner to us. And so it wasn't hard to go with the pitch. I think the harder thing was trying to figure out what to do for the uh, pregame for the tailgate, quote unquote. It's not really a tailgate when you go to a bar and like buy beer and food, but we're going to call it a tailgate anyway. Um, that was harder because you don't so much. I think of what's cool about our city's soccer culture. And the thing that's like instantly recognizable is like, the pictures of this giant march coming through Clifton and Nippert Stadium, right? Like that's the picture that you see in the hype videos and like the weird articles from outlets are like, what's happening in Cincinnati before we ever got an MLS team? Like that's what you see. And so we wanted to have something like that because it's just a big part of what we do here is the march. It's the thing that everybody is really into. And like to march from the pitch to TQL Stadium is... <laughs> Sure. Not really a much. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the harder part was figuring out where to go there. Um, 
but the night before, I mean, it was just, it's just a big party. Like there's, you know, there's kind of give and take with U S soccer because U S soccer sometimes just sort of does things and we're there for them. Um, but it was just a lot of people coming in from down. It was cool to like walk around and see different people wearing scarves from different cities and like kind of get just a sense of the magnitude of the thing that was happening, uh, which was hard to understand until the moment because you see somebody with like a, you know, I have a St. Petersburg scarf on my wall now because somebody gave it to me or like I, there were guys from Hawaii that came in that we took a picture with like people from all over the place coming to Cincinnati. It just like it's it's cool to help you understand the magnitude and the support for this team for a match like that. So. You got to burn that St. Petersburg scarf. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, I happened to I, I wasn't in the march, but I happened to be walking um on Ray Street as it was as it was going by. And I gotta say it was it was quite something to see. And I'm curious, did you hear anything from uh people from other AO chapters, what they thought of it? I mean, I don't know what they do in other cities, but to me that didn't seem like a normal thing. It seemed like a special moment, just the long progression of people up toward uh Rheingeist. Yeah, I definitely think that was a special moment. I mean I talked to some people kind of informally afterwards about it. And they, there's like one other march that they've had that they really compared it to. And it was one that like shut down streets that weren't shut down and probably got them like in trouble because they didn't have permits. So like, <laughs> you know, that's a different kind of march than the one we were doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that everybody, it was kind of amazing the reception we got afterwards. I put out a tweet from the AOCC social that was just like, hey, send me any pictures you have from the march. It's just like, pictures and videos and like it was just a thing that nobody had ever experienced before and I think it was a thing that a lot of us haven't really experienced at least not for a long time and definitely not in TQL right like that is what we want this to be and to see it kind of play out like that was really cool and it was not an easy thing to pull off because AO is not um they're not they're not marching everywhere it's a it's a hard thing because there's much there's way more restrictions from U.S. soccer and FIFA and CONCACAF and all these different parties on what you can and can't do in or near or around the stadium. Uh, and it makes all that stuff a lot harder. So we had to jump through some hoops to even make that happen. But it was I think it was totally worth it because it was like the coolest thing ever. So you just mentioned there uh, having to jump through hoops, U.S. soccer. How does the relationship with AO and U.S. soccer work? The, it, from the outside, it seems very much like you know, they have the the special key to the castle that other people don't have. Like, how does that work? Why do they have it? Um, you know, if you can shed some light on on what that how that relationship works. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not dissimilar from the way FC Cincinnati works with our local supporters groups, although it's a much easier relationship to navigate because we're going to the same stadium with the same people with the same like mechanics every single time. And nobody's worried about like, you know, if somebody wilds out and does something weird with smoke, they're just going to get kicked out and never let in the stadium ever again because whoever sees them do it probably knows who they are and will, like, turn off their tickets and they're not coming anymore. It's a lot harder when you have kind of an, a, a massive nationwide group coming in. Uh, and so I think that – and also FIFA and CONCACAF have all of their own rules and things that they want people to follow. Um, so it's hard because there's a lot of stuff that U.S. soccer just can't change. And like that is a hard thing as a supporters group when you want to push for like more in stadium experience, more access to things, more tickets, more discounts, like all of that stuff is just 
it's tougher when it's this big group versus a club where you know everyone that works there. And it's much more difficult, especially as a local chapter when you're trying to plan a match because, you know, I'm trying to plan everything we're doing, but everything's sort of middlemanning through AO National because they're naturally the ones that hold those relationships, but we're the ones that know the March route and know what permits we need or know what streets we can go down or know like who is the person that buys all the smoke and like, where do we tell them that they're not allowed to light it off anymore? Uh, and so it's, it's, it's hard to navigate and it's kind of, it's a give and take. I think that, I think that we pushed AO in a lot of good ways to get things we wanted. Um, and it's hard when you're the group that has that access because U S soccer can just choose who to give it to, right? Like we can push, we can only push so hard before they're like, all right. And now Barra, you're the ones that get everything. Right. And then like, (laughs) and then suddenly AO is just kind of uh, nothing. Right. Cause so much of it is, especially with traveling matches, it's being able to get people in the stadium in the supporter section. That's what people want. And that's what everybody comes for. Um, And so it's difficult. It's a give and take. Um, I think they do a relatively good job of navigating it, but I think that we push them in good ways that like got us some stuff um, that you don't see everywhere, like the March stuff. I think that we figured out ways to navigate around some of the things that you can or can't do to make it work. So, so, so to expound on that, so AO doesn't have the best reputation nationwide. I would say maybe that's maybe that's overstating it, but. You know, from you don't a, have to agree with that statement, but <laughs> <laughs> we got to say this all the hey, time. Like, a, we like to editorialize, and you don't have to accept the first part of the question. You can just answer, you know, what comes after. It's an audio. It's an audio medium, so nobody can see how I'm shaking my head. I can you know, be shaking it any which way. You have no idea. So, so I should say, most people have probably heard of the stories in Columbus where AO basically airlifted a fan base over there to run the Columbus or run the USA Mexico match and and you talked a lot about the the local people kind of knowing their locality um but having this national presence that has these uh these these levels of access that others don't have one uh I guess a two-part question uh, how does AO wrestle with that reputation? I, and I suppose a part B to that question is, do they care, uh, that they have that perception? And then two, um, how did AO Cincy ostensibly navigate away from that? It seemed like Cincinnati really had a lot more autonomy in this match and a lot more of our local people involved than, you know, a match of this kind that actually matters, a qualifier, they could have airlifted, you know, AO Seattle in, um, you know, why didn't they? Yeah, I, it's tough because it's, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, where AO is in lots of different cities with lots of different cultures and level of engagement and level of organization. And so um, somebody has said multiple times to me that, you know, AO can come in and they can take a one to a six, but they could also take a 10 to a six, right? Like AO is going to come in and put on a good show and they have good people that come in all the time, but there's only so much you can, you can do. And then when you come in and you get used to running the show in a lot of places, it can be hard when you show up somewhere that is a little bit more independent and parochial. Like I, you know, 
lovingly <laughs> described our city as. Um, and so uh, it's it's tough, right? Because it's a reputation that's not wholly unearned, but it's also a thing that is an amplifier in a lot of places, right? Like it's a thing that's needed when you take a match to a place that doesn't have oomph, to put it in a way that is super, you know, <laughs> however. Uh, and a lot, everywhere has good fans and good culture. That's not to say that there are cities that are bad. It's just, it's hard in a smaller city or a city that doesn't have an MLS team or a city that just doesn't have that history to, to put on a match like that. And you also, it goes both ways, right? Like you can't walk away from the table and then get mad when they do everything for you, right? Like it's hard, but you have to come to the table and ask for things and collaborate and be a good partner because even though AO Cincy is a, is a uh, sort of an affiliate of AO national, like, we're also a partner in planning this match. We're sort of a third party to go with U.S. soccer, fourth party if you want to include the local club staff. Um, and we have to ask for things for them to happen. If you just walk away because you're mad at AO's reputation or because you're mad that one time this person came in to drum and I don't like that person, so I'm not going to do anything to do with the match anymore, like then you're not going to get things and it's going to feel like they airlifted a whole match into your stadium because they did, because you walked away from the table and weren't willing to work with them. I think that a thing that we did really well was not losing sight of what was special about this place and why we thought this place was the right place for this game. And I think that early on, you know, the AO chapter had been sort of dormant and I hopped on board in the middle of last summer and early on, I think one thing we were fighting uphill on with local SGs, because again, Cincinnati is parochial and loves people from Cincinnati and no one else ever get out. <laughs> uh, I was trying to establish a reputation that like we are AO Cincy, right? We're not the American outlaws who are hanging out with people from Cincinnati. Like we are AO Cincy. The Cincy is an important part to me. And I think that a thing that helped us early on um, was that Todd, who's our president, and I make a really good team where Todd came in from Phoenix. He moved here during the pandemic. He didn't know a lot of people, but he knew how AO worked and he knows the national people and he knows how to navigate a lot of those relationships. And that stuff is really helpful to get things moving because then they trust you and they know you and they're not, you're not just some random person who they're suddenly having to work with. It's a person that you've like built up some capital with. And then I got involved early on and was I, when I started, I was the social media director. I also like helped put on a bunch of the match day stuff and coordinated all of the community building. Like I did a lot of the local stuff because, you know, a thing that I thought was really important early on was establishing the fact that like I am from Cincinnati. I have UC basketball season tickets. I haven't missed a UC basketball game when I've been in the city of Cincinnati since I was like five, like, I am not only Cincinnati. I like had a bowl of Skyline chili with a spoon for dinner. Like it's not like a thing. That, this is not fake. Um, but I think that that was important early on because it gets the buy-in of people who want to be involved with something like this, but don't trust what they've seen or heard in the past. Because people want, I mean, what, what soccer fan in the city doesn't want to be a part of the USA Mexico game in their backyard, right? Like who in their right mind would not want to be a part of that, but they, you hear stories or you've seen things happen over time where like there was a bad experience at some match where they felt like local voices weren't heard or something like that. And it, I thought it, it was a very important to me early on to make sure that this match was as much about Cincinnati as it was about U.S. national team support. And that made my job a lot easier. 
Um, I'm glad you addressed it because I was going to ask you if you're from Cincinnati. Yeah, but. I'm wearing I'm wearing my FC Cincinnati jersey right now, which I'm actually wearing because this is obviously on audio. What high school did you go to? Rose Lavelle on the back because Whoa. all of our players are mostly bad. Bob may be good now. I don't know. Well, well you get no. Come on. <laughs> Just wait for for Vasquez to make the national team. I'll bring it all, uh, all together, baby. Did you ask so, what high school I went to? I, somebody you don't did. Have to tell. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I did. It's, I, a, I it's, did it's one of the ones that makes people mad. So we'll we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll skip over that one for now. We'll come back to that later on. Uh, all right. So so I want to know, you know, you personally, how did you get involved with AO? What's your kind of history with? the national team and um you know how 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 do these local chapters kind of get rolling and uh i guess to just tack on one more part to the question if somebody wanted to get involved with ao you know what what would what would that look like and what what would they be you know what would be some good things to do Yes, like i'm gonna tell a really rambly version of this story because it's the only thing i'm capable of doing but i I played soccer for forever. I used to watch U.S. men's national team games with my dad. Um, and I was a day one FC Cincinnati season ticket holder until year three when I graduated from college and I moved to Cleveland for a job and then I moved to D.C. So those two years I didn't have tickets because I couldn't go to any of the matches. Um, but during the pandemic, I moved back home and I wanted honestly, I wanted people to talk about the U.S. women's national team with. Like, the men are cool, and the Mexico game was fine, but, like, the Super Bowl for me was the women coming to town. I, like, have all of Rose Lavelle's kids from all the teams she's played for professionally, and I follow the NWSL really closely, and I follow the women's national team really closely. I can, like, tell you who's in and out of camp and who's going to be big soon and who maybe I don't like and all of my opinions about Carly Lloyd that are really unpopular, but she's retired now. So I can kind of say, them. Um, and I wanted a group of people to watch those matches and talk about those matches. And I wanted people that would like get up at 4am and go to the pitch to watch us like underperform in the Olympics for four straight matches. Like, um, and so I found my way through asking random people in the SG community if AO Cincinnati existed figuring out that it didn't really exist anymore um, and then trying to dig around and figure out how to get that restarted um, which is where Todd who I mentioned earlier comes in who's the president um, AO National wanted to try to get some of the chapters in your cities that had sort of fallen by the wayside back going and so they were working with Todd to revamp the chapter and get it back out there and get us back rolling and he literally just posted on Facebook. It was like, anybody that wants to help, let me know. And I was like, boy, do I want to help, but you are going to hate me after like six months because I got a lot of energy and a lot of ideas and we're going to do so much stuff you don't want to do. Um, and so then I hopped in there. Um, I started running the social media because Todd uh, posted a tweet about looking for pint glasses uh, and not looking locally. Kevin yelled at him. <laughs> I was, gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you. No, anyway, I, I'll no, go back Zach, to that. Zach, I, I guess this is the point where I ask you, uh, or, or I, I apologize for being so abrasive immediately. I was gonna ask if you were the one on the sticks that day on on the old social media, because um, I came out swinging, and I. Uh... Hey, I was not. I was not the one on the Twitter that day. And you know how you can tell that is because, like I've said a bunch of times, I'm from here, 
And I would never say something about looking for out of town help for anything because I would get totally shit on. <laughs> and I know that going in. <laughs> that was when I was like, Todd, I'm going to tell you something. It's people in Cincinnati fucking hate anyone that's not from Cincinnati. So this is going to be really tough. And we're just going to have to lean into the fact that I am from. I, I saw that cup tweet come through and I just I thought, oh, no. And then I saw Kevin jump on the on the on the. <laughs> the thread and i was like well this is this is <laughs> fucking terrible because yeah so i'll, I'll walk through what happens so that when you cut this together later we have some context around this uh early on when we were looking to restart the chapter todd was leading the twitter and todd was kind of doing everything because he was looking for help but didn't have many people yet you have to kind of figure out early on like who wants free tickets to games and who wants to do work to make things cool and that's a tough part of doing sg work is figuring out who the difference between those are um and so Todd was still trying to put together a board and find people who really wanted to do things and he was doing a lot of stuff himself and so he put out a tweet shortly after I got involved about looking for help to put together merch and he specifically wanted to make pint glasses and so he put out a tweet that was like looking for help finding folks who can make pint glasses with AO logos on them on Twitter and people were immediately like, well, here's a couple of local places. And Todd was like, well, I had never heard of those places. And Todd, Kevin said, of course you never heard of those places. You're not from here. Get out. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. No, it's close that. enough. I'm reading the tweet thread right now. I had not seen it before. It's very funny. It's very funny. Uh, Some guy tells Kevin to chill and he just says, no, you. <laughs> uh and that was actually the moment where those took over Twitter because I was like, we can never have this happen ever again. <laughs> and then I spent like three weeks tweeting about Skyline Chili to be like, look, recognize me. I know you. I am you. <laughs> I gotta uh, say it, it worked. It did. Hey, thanks. I do what I can, you know. Uh, but if you wanted to get involved in AO, back to the original question. <laughs> um you know, we're always looking for help. There's the, the interesting thing is that uh, the work ebbs and flows, right? Like right now we're in a period where volunteer help is really just showing up to matches and being excited and like wanting to buy merch and talking to your friends and engaging on our social medias and on our discord. Um, and that's what helping looks like at the moment, because right now we're doing stuff that is less glamorous and we can't have a ton of people necessarily in on because it's like, in chapter bylaws, getting incorporated, like figuring out tax status, putting together new merch. And there's just only so much that people can engage on on that stuff because we're kind of in between uh, matches. The thing is, like I said earlier, it ebbs and flows between hosting matches. And so that makes it a little bit harder, but it's a community that I want to continue to grow. So I encourage people to reach out on our Discord, on our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Todd usually answers the DMs because I'm too lazy to do it. So say hi to Todd if you ever DM us on social media. Everything else is me, but that is usually not. Um, and just, you know, tell us you want to get involved. We'll put you to work. We'll, we added two people to our board this year um, to help kind of expand out some of our capacity and chapter building to make something that's a little bit more sustainable. Because like I mentioned earlier, the chapter kind of came and went with matches before, but we would make it a thing that, you know, it might not be the biggest chapter all of the time, but we want it to be a sustainable thing where there's a group of, even if it's five people that show up to watch all the matches together and 
you know, a hundred people that buy scarves. Like we want that to be sustainable. We want that to exist so that the next time somebody like me wants to go watch uh, the U.S. women's national team play in a friendly on like a Thursday night that no one else cares about, you know where to go. And, you know, there's going to be some people there who might even like try to sell you a t-shirt. We want that to be a sustainable thing that exists in this ecosystem of a really cool soccer community. Um, and it's a piece that was kind of missing before because so it's, it's just, it's, it's not anyone's fault, right? There's just so much to do. Like there's so much work to do. We've had a club for six years, right? Is that, am I doing that math right in my head? We've had it for, yeah. this is our fourth MLS year. Like we're new, we're still building stuff. Our stuff is not old and established and like, we are figuring stuff out as we go still and we're doing a really damn good job, but there's a lot of work to be done. And that doesn't lend itself to also putting on like no watch parties for three months and then seven watch parties in 10 <laughs> days that are all at 4am. Right. Like that's just a different piece of this community that we got to be intentional around to make sure that it still exists so that people that are looking for that community, are, you know, there's fans who don't really care about MLS. Even in this city, there's fans that don't really care about FC Cincinnati who like soccer. And they're sometimes annoying, but sometimes they're also nice and they want to like go watch national team games because that's the thing they care about. But we want a space for people like that in this community. So, Do you have any watch parties coming up? We do <laughs> because there's a men's qualifying window coming up right now that I don't know if you've heard, but is relatively important. <laughs> um, so on Thursday night at 10 p.m., team plays at mexico there's gonna be a watch party at the pitch and for today that is one. thursday by the way yeah yes. so tonight at 10 p.m <laughs> tonight at 10 p.m the u.s men's national team plays mexico and we'll be watching it at the pitch uh my cardboard cutout will be there as always but i probably will be there until halftime so look for me at halftime i'll be wearing my katarina macario jersey um but we'll have merch uh the pitch is a great partner they'll have beer they'll have ao cups it'll be on all the tvs there'll be lots of stuff happening people are going to be there come out hang out you don't have to be an ao member to show up to our stuff that's another thing that i think is an important note here is that like i want you to join ao and i want you to join my discord and i want you to hang out with me and be my friend but you don't have to do those things to come <laughs> watch games with us um and then after that there's a match on sunday against panama um we are planning to give away cut out squares of the Dos Acero and still Tifo from the USA-Mexico game in Cincinnati at that match. Um, they're getting cut up right now. They'll be available on Sunday. We're giving one away to anybody that shows up and wants one. A good, you know, commemorative piece for the match that was in our city. Um, and a good way to celebrate what is knock on wood, possibly the day we could qualify if things go right. Um, if we get a result in the first match and win the second match, we almost certainly qualify. Um, and then after that, we play Ronald Moderita on Sunday next week. <laughs> I believe it's next Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Whatever day that is. I don't know. They can only think so many days ahead. Uh, Zach. Well, is... Zach, I want to I make it weird for a second here and say that, you know, a lot of this work uh, is pretty thankless. And it is a lot of work. And, and I, I, uh, I know you have a, a day job and a life. And uh <laughs> I, I really do appreciate you coming in and, and helping build this community back better and uh, <laughs> really just, you know, providing a place for people to focus their 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 
energy and, and their want to like follow the national team. Cause I know in the dormant times of the, the chapter, it was pretty hard to find like, you know, who's going to watch what, where, and, and um, you know, it's more clear now. Uh, and, and it really is, it kind of takes that, that one night to show up and, and find some other like-minded people to maybe even change your life, get you into something hobby and new group of friends. So um yeah, just really appreciate the the work that you're putting in there and, and especially what you're doing for Cincinnati. Because I'm a Cincinnatian too. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's like thank you, first of all, but I refuse to accept the compliment, so I'm gonna be <laughs> like a true uh, Cincinnatian. I, I appreciate it. But I th- I think that because I'm from here and because I'm involved in the local community and because I draw my matches and now I found my way onto the prides board because I showed a little bit of interest and then got given a lot of responsibility as these things go. Um, so it's your own fault. I, it's my own fault. And I love it. I love doing this stuff. Um, but Jeff Birding's checks just aren't covering the rent. So it, it can't be a full-time gig. Uh, but I, I, I think it's important because I go on, you know, I've been on Cincy Soccer Talk. I've been on here now. There's lots of places I go and I talk to people and I do these things and I'm at all the FC matches and everything. Um, so you, so like I'm out and I'm visible and I talk to people, but it's important to recognize all the work Todd has done too. I mean, really working with AO National and taking the initiative to start the chapter back up um, and do a lot of the hard work that I don't really like of like, the web store and shipping things out and all the things that I think are really boring while I just like send the tweets and drum at games. Um, that stuff's important and the chapter probably wouldn't exist if Todd hadn't taken the initiative to restart it. Uh, that match wouldn't have been what it was if we didn't have a functioning chapter going into it. Um, and so I appreciate the compliment, but I also want to make sure that I give Todd his credit. Don't take all of it myself. I'm also not capable of taking any of the credit, so I'm going to give it all to Todd, and you can Perfect. give it to me whenever you want. No, I I owe Todd an apology for the tweet because I was I was very defensive. I got scared for my little soccer nerddom that that we've all been hanging out in. It felt like invaders were coming. Um, he had a gate to keep. <laughs> hey, I love Todd. I love Todd, but never apologize to Todd. That's my that's my piece of advice. Todd's great. Never apologize. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I I will say you know similar. Uh, I mean to vouch for the AO model in a lot of ways. Um, I I for the longest time was a soccer nerd out in the wilderness trying to find my community and my group and and AO Cincy back in the 2014 World Cup was sort of the first time I was able to connect with a group of of soccer fans and and kind of found my way in that way and then that eventually led to FC Cincinnati so I can definitely vouch for the the model at least so. Um, yeah, uh, no need to be so aggressive on Twitter, Kevin. Um, <laughs> Zach, if you were Greg Berhalter, would you try to get a result in Mexico City, or would you be resting everything for Panama? Because mathematically, a win against Panama is a guaranteed minimum intercontinental playoff against New Zealand. And you also get a match after that against the Costa Rica side that has been not as good as Costa Rica normally is throughout right. qualifying. Um, 
I don't know. I'm aggressive and I want nine points. I'd probably <laughs> go for it, even though it's at like 7,400 altitude, 7,400 feet above sea level. Sea level. Uh, I think I'd rest some people. I don't think I'd go all the way out. I think I'd sort of have a hybrid team. It wouldn't be fully the B team, but it would be a couple of key folks subbed out so that they're fresh for the next match against Panama. Because even though we always want to beat Mexico, and this is maybe the last time we're going to play Mexico in a qualifier in a long time and in Azteca for a long time, um, first and foremost, our goal is to qualify for the World Cup. It's way funnier if we beat Mexico and they don't qualify for the World Cup, but that's... (laughs) It doesn't change the goal, which is to qualify. I want to. I want to be watching games um, in the horrible place they're holding the World Cup at terrible times uh, <laughs> this year. So I don't know. I probably that's kind of a non-answer because I said I'd do both things, but that's what I'm sticking to. A non-answer. I'd rest some people, but not everyone. I'd probably rest some of the attackers because we're just so thin with all the injuries coming into this one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I keep going back and forth as to whether or not because Mexico isn't Mexico either. You talk about Costa Rica, not yeah. Costa Rica. Mexico is on the back foot. Um, I think they're there for the taking. Did I see Pizarro was called up for this window? Things can't be going well for Mexico. Um, and uh, Zach, what do you think of the odds? Uh, Brandon Vasquez makes his team. I'm I'm gonna meme this into existence. How how far out do you think this guy really is? Well, the attackers are dropping like flies, and Brandon <laughs> Vasquez is on an amazing run of form. So <laughs> it feels like a meme until you start really thinking about it, and then you at least say, "Hmm." You know, you might not go all the way into saying it's gonna happen, but you say, "Hmm." Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> it's kind of astonishing. Like I've I've done this math because you know I jumped on this train. Uh, you think about MLS and you just assume there's five or six American strikers tearing it up in the league, and there isn't. There just never is. There's just. I mean, this is the first window where Giassi Zardes isn't on the roster, and he's not even starting for Columbus right now. Right. I get that. Like Greg is gonna, you know do his Greg thing and sometimes pick players we may not love from a city we may not love. Uh, but you, I mean, you're, it'd be a hard for you to tell me that Jossie Zardes has been a better player than Brandon Vasquez over the last six or seven matches for club. Right. Right. No. Oh, and you have to think even Altidore probably isn't that far off of uh, making the roster again. Uh, I suppose attitudes, notwithstanding but he just always feels like that guy's always in the running as well yeah he'll Um, show up at some point they'll have a friendly (laughs) here and he'll be the starting striker out of nowhere over the summers of tuna yeah i just i never count him out josie out the door until he fully retires from the sport will always be in the pool of possible call-ups in my brain yes yes it's like uh landon donovan stint in liga mx i was like oh (laughs) but maybe we could bring him back Hey, he's still is he coaching still? He was coaching for a minute, right? He's coaching he's be our coach. General he's coaching Andrew Carlton. Yes. <laughs> I, that was my meme. I kept trying to meme Landon Donovan as our coach, which is just pain for all of us. I don't think he's that good of a coach, and I think Pat Noonan is better. Uh, but yeah. that was my goal after we fired Jap Stam was to meme uh, Landon Donovan onto our <laughs> onto our staff. Didn't work. Hey, he's got MLS experience. That's true. Boom. <laughs> the MVP trophy is named after him. I don't think he ever won MVP. That's a fun one. Um, yeah, 
Landon Donovan is the manager, general manager, and owner of the San Diego Loyal. That would have been a weird step down, I would say, to go be the head coach for an FCC, but I was here for it as well. Um, Zach, I don't know. Is there anything we haven't touched on, haven't hit, uh, that you want to mention? Is there the great big misconception about AO that you want to fix? I mean, I think the only thing I'll say um, is that it's important in my mind to keep AO and club stuff separate. And it's kind of a complicated piece in this space because we all have the same goals. And I get a little bit frustrated when Columbus gets multiple matches because I want them here. But also, yeah, would you rather have Mexico or would you rather have El Salvador oh, and Costa yeah. Rica, right? Yeah, but I think it's important just to acknowledge that, like, this space is unique in that way. Like, I went up with some other folks with a orange and blue drum, and we drummed in the supporter section in lower.com field. And it felt not that weird because we were all there for the same team. It felt a little weird. And I was a little drunk and I broke a drum head playing down the drive while some dude was yelling OHIO at me. The irony being that I graduated from Ohio state. Um, but it's, it's, it's a unique space there where rivals come together and we're all working together. And like I said, we had AO Columbus uh, leadership come down and paint our TIFO and show up to our match. And we went up there and went to their match and it's, it's different. It's a different part of the space. And I think that that's a thing that's, it's interesting about what we do. That being said, AO Cincinnati is the best chapter in the country, flat out, no hesitation. We are better than everyone else, but everyone else is also good. That's the important <laughs> part. We're just best. Uh, a politician to his core. Uh, <laughs> Zach, uh, I got to say, thanks for coming on, man. This was enlightening. This was uh Super helpful, I want to say. One, therapeutically for me to kind of get out some of my demons. But uh, no, I think this is really good for people to see behind the scenes what happens with the the American outlaws, especially locally, and how that works with local teams. And Cincinnati is, yeah, definitely in a different spot than a Toledo or an Akron. So um, no, really insightful. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, you'll have to come back sometime uh, when there's some women's games to talk about. Yes. Absolutely. I will give you all kinds of hot takes about the women. And now we're like pretty far removed from the Carly Lloyd TIFO that I didn't say anything about. And I can let you know all of the things I think about Carly Lloyd. We'll save that for future episodes. Teaser oh, for next Teaser. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Thanks again. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Zach for stopping by, teaching us all about the American Outlaws. And speaking of, Grayson, it's a big match tonight, USA-Mexico. I asked Zach this question. I'll ask you. You putting it all out there against Mexico, would you hold everything back for Panama? I don't think you can afford to put everything out there at this point. I mean, I hate, I hate to say it. I I really do want to to take three points in the Azteca, and I, I think that we have a team that can do that against this Mexico team. Um, 
but especially in the attack, they're they're pretty thin, and um, no Weston. Um, I'm concerned about. I think I think I think Tyler Adams might be on a yellow card suspension if he if he gets one more. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. I think I think no. I go. I go B team, maybe a little stronger in, defensively, and you know, I mean, a lot of these games don't have that much soccer played anyway. Just <laughs> beat them up for beat them up for as, as long as you can. You know, maybe maybe steal a goal on the counter, but honestly, zero zero coming out of it. I think you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Dust Harks, what's your vibe? I think you start with the B team. And then you go a full hockey change at halftime after your starters have been able to warm up on the sidelines and you give them both barrels and try to beat them three, what you know, score three goals in their stadium uh, just to demoralize them. Nothing else. I, I kind of love that. You could have uh, Geo and Pulisic and uh, let's say Musa all come on at halftime and just. Just run at them after they've had a full half. Uh, Grayson, you nervous at all about qualifying for the World Cup? What's your confidence level at? My confidence level is pretty high. Um, I think Panama at home is it's three points. I know Panama beat us down there. Some of those games can be fluky on the road in in qualifying in this region. Um, and I I don't think Costa Rica is very good. Yeah. So I think I think they get four points out of those two games minimum. Um and I and I'm pretty sure since those are their competition for for qualifying slots that that would do it. Regardless of what else what else happens in qualifying. Yeah, I uh I think technically we can uh, we can qualify with a win against Mexico, and I'm not going to remember the result somewhere else. But, yeah, essentially a win against Panama and a result on either Costa Rica or Mexico puts us into the World Cup, which is so close but so far away. It was not that long ago the U.S. was a draw away from uh, – a draw from Trinidad and Tobago away from booking their flights to Russia. Uh, Dust Harks. Has Waston been called up I was to the national team? literally trying to look that up <laughs> while I was talking uh, just then. Um, Waston is called up yes. for okay. Costa Rica. Waston, for all of his faults, uh, the guy is a flak cannon, and if there's a ball in the air, it is his. <laughs> Sell Vasquez now. SEC is not winning MLS Cup this season, but maybe we will next season. Get rid of Vasquez before he comes back down to earth and show your Brazilian DP he's the real eye candy. Sure, people will be upset. Sure, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the rules of logic were made to be torched. We, yes, I'm including us, didn't pay for some second fiddle. Sao Paulo Dombaji? No, no, sir. 
Get NFT Lewandowski off this team and let's start playing 3D chess. I want Brenner with the glory and I want Brandon off this team. Start the petition. I'll sign first. Brandon out. Brenner, goddamn in. Also this week, guys, I, I don't know if you've made the same mistake I did, but a few years ago on FOTMOB, I turned on notifications for every single U.S. Open Cup game, and uh, they did not have it for two <laughs> years. And then tonight, as we're recording behind the scenes, uh, the Open Cup has kicked off, and my phone will not stop blowing up. Every goal, every whistle, I'm getting my, my phone blown up. But uh, I don't know. Dust Hearts, what's, what's your feeling on the Open Cup? Do you like this tournament? Are you a fan of it? Would you rather see it uh, disappear? Is it a relic of the past? I mean, I love comp- cup competitions. Um, you know, obviously, FA Cup is is a big deal. This is our version of that. And uh, I don't think you can truly call yourself a real FC fan if you're not a big (laughs) fan of the Open Cup. Um, Obviously, that run that we made in 2017 punched our ticket to MLS. I mean, I think it's no longer a secret that, you know, MLS and U.S. soccer brass were in Nippert for some of those matches witnessing what was going on. Um, And... You know, I, I think for FC fans around the world, nay the galaxy, um, this is a special competition for us. So I, I think it would be great to see us make a deep run in that. I obviously we're going to win the league this year, but I think it would be also pretty cool if we could make a deep run to the U.S. Open Cup, maybe even win the damn thing. <laughs> Grayson, what's I mean, the Open Cup is fun when you're a lower division team, but when you're in MLS, it's, is it more annoying than uh, than exciting? Uh, would you would you rather drop points in the league if it meant you were putting a full strength team out there for the Open Cup? Yeah, I, th- I actually think so. I mean, this year for us, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I, I don't think we're gonna win the support the supporters shield. Um, <laughs> so I. I Sacrilege. I don't. I don't. You're not I don't even see a real it. fan. Get the fuck out of here. This is bullshit. I I think we can make the playoffs and also go for the uh, open cup. Um, I would ra- I would rather. I would rather win the the open cup than make the playoffs this year. Ooh. To be honest, because um, you get you get CCL out of it. True. Um, you get a you get mm. a trophy, and you know I. I'm I'm like Das Harks. I love cup competitions. I love that we got this uh, this national cup that involves all the all the lower leagues, um, and I have all that nostalgia from the 2017 run. Oh, I so I agree with you. Although I am reminded of the uh, the 2013. I think it was 2013 DC United team that won the wooden spoon and the open cup, which is uh, a feat. I really wish we had pulled off one of the last three years. Uh, um, I will say I, I love the open cup as well. Uh, what annoys me is how little respect us soccer has for the open cup. And I do hope that them splitting up the 
media rights from MLS and going their own way will give them an opportunity to refocus on the tournament because there's a number of small changes they could make to this tournament that would make it so, so, so much better. Like for me, an easy one would be a fixed bracket. You can do it geographically, regionally, but you have all of the teams already laid out in pyramids and you already have everybody's end of the year final standings. Your seeding is already done for you every year. There's no... There's no question. There's no selection committee. That part's easy. Um, and you could have an awesome set bracket. Everybody can fill out the, the brackets. And then you would give the lower division team the right of first refusal for hosting. That is so easy. So if they want the gate receipts, they can take the gate receipts. But if they can't host the match, which is the case with a lot of these lower division teams, they don't get the ability to host outside of their league matches, you're not putting some weird financial burden on them. And U.S. Soccer should use this money to give it a real proper prize pool and to especially help offset the travel costs of the amateur teams. It's insane that we still have teams doing GoFundMes to take a bus from one part of the country to the other to make this tournament work. I've I've got so many thoughts and feelings about this tournament, but Das Harks, save save the listener. What do you got? <laughs> I had a I had a, a, a thought that was somewhat along the lines of our first run, um, where, you know, of course, as with every match in that series, uh King GB saved our our souls, but we were in double overtime against Cleveland on a rainy Wednesday with like nine people in the stadium. And Chris White uh, leaned over to me and he was like, this is what this could look like if we don't make MLS. The team fades in popularity and we're lucky to get 3,000 people in here. And I was like, don't you put that <laughs> shit in my mind. <laughs> I went to the darkest place as we heard their one fan from Cleveland yelling into his own light blue megaphone. Uh, and again, thank God GB <laughs> saved us. But I I wonder what does an open cup in MLS where maybe people don't care about it as much if they're not true fans uh, on a, <clears throat> again, Wednesday in TQL, what does that look like? How many people do we pull? Do we get 10,000 people to that game on Wednesday? Does anyone give a shit if we're playing the Denton Diablos? You know, I, I wonder what I wonder what that, that future looks like. Yeah, that is interesting. You almost wonder if they wouldn't try to play it at, like, Mercy Health, uh, the training facility, and just make it a, a season ticket lottery to be one of the 5,000 to be there. <laughs> right that's the other thing do they do they do they play it do they bother opening tql i'm sure to staff that place is 50 grand just to turn the locks open and and then what do they charge to go into the game is it 20 bucks sit wherever you want um <laughs> maybe the plebs get a chance to get to the to the uh to the expensive seats every once in a while does everyone just pack the bailey like you know what does it look like i don't know maybe Maybe I want to see an open cup match just for the morbid curiosity of how how whether we can turn out for something like that or not. I I still remember the good old days of getting one uh, the first uh, open cup match as a part of your season ticket package. That was that was nice. Get you hooked on the tournament, and then if they advance, 
then you mm. you get them in. You reel them in with the next ticket purchase. Um, First, they feed you. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Our fans learned the Open Cup, and we got really into it, and the team did really well. Um, and then Koch tried to lose against Chicago. I'll never forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. And and Kadeem Dakers was having fucking none of it. That man was everywhere. <laughs> he paid absolutely no respect to Schweinsteiger. Once again, Wiedemann was onside. Um, yeah. Sports. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Grayson, to, to wrap this up, we've got a match against Charlotte. We could very well be looking at the very first three-game win streak. What's your what's your prediction going into this one? Are, is FCC going to continue going streaking? Um, <clears throat> I do. I do think that FC continues its streak. Um, I, I brought up the opponents' non-penalty XG before. I just wanted to point out that right now FC is sitting seventh in the league in its own uh, non-penalty XG. And that includes the Austin game. Whoa. So that's not just that's not just the pace since the Austin game. That includes the Austin game. Uh, they're only 11th in total goals. Um, but I think those that, that the, we do have, maybe for the first time, uh, some underlying numbers on our side that this isn't just a couple of fluke wins that we're going to return to form like we've seen in the past. Um, Charlotte is missing some key players this weekend. Uh, I think three are gone for international duty, including their Polish DP, who um, I think scored over the weekend. Yeah, he tore New England up. Yeah, and so I, I think not only do we win, let's say, 2 nothing, Can gets his first clean sheet, um, but also Brenner uh, opens his account. Hmm. I'm into it. Dust Harks, you starting Brenner in this one? Uh, you know what? I think you have to start Vasquez. Well, I think you make Brenner sit. I, I think you start Vasquez and Baji. Okay. I think you make Brenner sit and watch and get pissed off and hungry so he comes out with some fire. I think you sub him in a little bit early, maybe 60. Uh, and... Do we get to talk shit about teams that play on turf now that that we're living in the lap of luxury? Because I'm I'm fairly certain that we got shit for that constantly, and now it's our time. So <laughs> eat shit, Charlotte. You play on a fake field in front of fake fans, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I agree with Grayson. I think we win this two nil. I think I think that Austin match was an aberration. Uh, I think it really got under Ken's skin. I think he, uh, since then, has been playing extremely well, making some pretty spectacular saves. I think he frustrates Charlotte. I think our defense is up for it. And I agree with Grayson. I think um, I also agree with me that when Brenner comes out in the 65th minute, uh, he just makes an, an individual fuck you, I'm scoring run uh, to really – to really demoralize Charlotte for that second goal. And um, then we park the bus and take three points home with us. To the actual Queen City, they are the Queen's City, possessive from that, what was it, a, a king's consort? I'll, I'll leave the audience to draw their own conclusions about what that means. 
but to be named after such a person, not the Queen City yourself, the debate is settled. So your move, Charlotte. I love it. Uh, You know what makes the fact that they play on artificial turf uh, worse is the fact that the stadium there had natural grass up until they got an MLS team, and then they switched to artificial turf. How... How shitty is that? <laughs> that is what that is is exactly what uh, someone who lost the Civil War would do. Oh. 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 It's a All dumb joke, but I'm never ever gonna stop. I'm, ne- oh. I'm I, I, I absolutely cannot. With, uh, with a, there's a city in North Carolina called Ellerby. We can, d- I mean, Harks. We can uh, draw our own conclusions <laughs> about what that means, but I, I have I have a personal stake in not losing to teams from this region. So let's. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'll tell you what. I think, I won't tell you who, but I think we get the first FC Cincinnati hat trick in this Ooh. game. I don't. I, I feel it coming. I think I think Charlotte will be in shambles. I think everything's clicking on our end. Um, sure, we'll be without Mata, but uh, I think I Ray Gaddis with the perfect hat trick. Left yes. foot, right foot, header, all uninterrupted. And in the first half, give me the perfect, perfect hat trick. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I want to point out that the Charlotte that um, Charlotte's named after was with King George the Third, the tyrant ooh. that we rebelled against in 1776. So not only did they keep that name, but then just 80 years later, um, Tried to tried to leave, so I wow. man, mm-hmm. I, exactly I, what a what a is, area. Is that there lost. a more <laughs> anti-American city in the United States? I think not. I, nope. I can't think of one. That's no. a that's a rough resume if you're trying to be a patriot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and oh, on that man. note, I think we get out of here before before anything bad happens. Cameron uh, would never. Grayson. Thanks for coming. Das Harks, you did it. You made your, your pod debut proper. How did it feel? You know, I, I got I to gotta thank my fans, all uh, six of them. Uh, you know, one of these days I will uh, I'll pull a track off of my uh, iPhone and, and put lyrics to it. I've just been uh, uninspired. But I'm feeling fucking inspired these days. You know what? Brandon Vasquez, Kubo. Acosta, Brenner, they're making me feel things I haven't felt in a long time. The uh, FC Cincinnati uh, subreddit moderators look forward to uh, deleting your post <laughs> as soon as it gets up. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Also, I think it's important that the post that the postcast makes it clear that the postcast says trans rights. Yes. Yeah. Trans rights. Trans rights. And I don't know what I agreed to, Wait, but I'm no. in. <laughs> Fucking in. Oh.